Last week, as you are aware, we talked a lot about the Bible. Today we're going to get into uh, another uh, important uh, Christian routine, uh, Christ-like routine, and that is prayer. Now, prayer is one of those things where um, you learn to do it when you go to bed at night. I can remember some of my earliest memories laying in bed and, and mom and, and or dad sitting on the, on the edge of the bed with me and we'd say our prayers before we go to sleep at night. And I can remember then as I got older, even with my children, we would say our prayers when we'd go to bed at night. And then there's always that sad moment as a parent where they say, uh, um, I got this now. You don't, I'm a 25. You don't necessarily have to come to my room anymore and do prayers with me. No, but there is a time where they're like, okay, we can do this now. And, uh, but those are some of our earliest uh, memories of prayer. And then there's those other prayers, those prayers where uh, I takest all I can taste and I can't taste no more. God, you need to fix this, right? There's those prayers in crisis or I'm upset. So God, now I'm looking to you. And so there's that kind of prayer, a prayer of, uh, of uh, emergency prayers, I'll call them. Prayer. What is prayer, and how do you pray? And I, as I was thinking about this this week, I, I know that we handed out the prayer guides, and, and I'm really going to focus a lot on what we did this week in the first week of the prayer guide. But I imagine there's, there's many of us that were like, well, who do I pray to, and how do I pray? And, and so I want to spend some time today teaching about prayer. And it is going to be a time of teaching. Uh, but it's in, in, incredibly important that it's a part of our daily routine. In Thessalonians, it tells us to pray without ceasing, which means to never stop praying. And someone would say, well, how, how do you never stop praying? Well, that be, and we'll talk a little bit about that, but when it becomes a part of your, your daily uh, activity, you just, I can remember, and I've told this story numerous times, and if you're new today, welcome. If you haven't been here in a while, very much welcome. We, we're glad that you're with us. But there was a time in my life where, Praying without ceasing had ceased, and I, and I wasn't praying all that much to the Lord. I was busy. I was focused. To be honest, it was a time in my life where I had grown angry, upset, frustrated, and of course, it was my doing, but I was blaming who? God, because sometimes when we're praying to God, it's hard because he's unseen, and so we, we, we sometimes wonder if he's even there because we can't see God. But we're also very quick that when something goes wrong, we know he's there and it's his fault. So I was in that place. And so we just quit talking. Really, I quit listening. And I remember there was a void in my life that it just, it was harsh. I, I didn't like the void. And one day I grown tired of, tired of this void, this emptiness in my life. And it wasn't that I wasn't saved any longer. It's just that I wasn't communicating with him. And, I, and I've told this story, but I remember I'm in a truck, windows down on the freeway, and shouting at the top of my lungs, God, I just want to hear from you again. Why did you quit talking to me? And it was almost audible. If it had been, I probably would have left the road. But it was like, Doug, you just quit listening. Well, I'm here to day to tell you that prayer is about not just listening, but it's about communications. It, it, it's two ways. It's sitting down and just talking with your Father God. Who do you pray to? Well, you, we have this luxury that you didn't necessarily have in the Old Testament, but we have today. We can pray and talk directly to God our Father. 
So when you pray, you can pray directly to our Father God. And so that was a, the beginning of some healing in my life. And so prayer is healing and can be healing for you. So I want to encourage you today as we go through the teaching that you'll really consider where you're at in your communication with the Lord. Um, we have experienced in our lives, I'm sure at some point or another, a breakdown in communication. And, and what did it do to your relationships? Probably wasn't real healthy. And so I want to encourage you that let's work on this relationship and let's focus on prayer. Now, how, how do we pray? Jesus instructs us, and so our passage today, we're going to be in Matthew 6, verses 5 through 15, and we're going to kind of just go through this text, and we're going to learn a lot about prayer. It's, it's, it's common. Uh, many of you have heard this prayer before. In fact, maybe you're so familiar with the prayer that you don't really understand the power that's in it, or you have forgotten about it. But let's start at verse 5, and Jesus is instructing different ones on prayer, and it says, and when you pray, so and when you pray, we're going to stop for a minute, and guess what we're going to do? Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for this day. This is a new day. Yesterday is gone and is behind us, but today is a new day, and we're in your house, the one that you purposed to be in this place. And we thank you, God, for, for allowing us to be here so we could be in your presence and so we could grow and we could learn and draw nearer to you. And I pray, Lord, that this scripture, as we read it, Lord, and the words that you give us today will change our lives in such a way that will reflect who you are more and more in all that we do. I pray that we don't leave here the same, but new again in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Verse 5. And when you pray... You must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen as others, or that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. They've been seen by others. What's a hypocrite? A hypocrite is, is an actor. And that's, uh, uh, we were a bunch of hypocrites in the play. That's not a bad thing. We were acting. Right. But that's what a hypocrite is, is and Jesus is saying, don't be like those actors. For they love to get this personal recognition and glory and they've received that reward. But he goes on in verse six. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they like, but for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Now, I'm going to preface something here. It's all about our heart. Now, I had a grandfather, not, not Walter Zach, but grandfather Adrian Robinson, who, when it came to Thanksgiving family prayer, it was a long prayer. Like, really long. But as his grandson, I knew his heart. And his heart truly was for his family to love the Lord. And so that's not what they're referencing. They're not talking about, hey, you're praying a long time. What they're talking about is making up words and phrases just so that you look good in the, in the eyes of man. 
It's, it, prayer isn't that. Prayer isn't for, to benefit those that hear you praying. Prayer is communing between us and the Lord. Verse 8 says, do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Well, then therein lies a big question. If he knows what I need before I ask him, then why do I pray? He already knows. Well, as I was wrestling with that whole thought this week, and I'm thinking, so it's, it's about Tuesday, and I'm thinking, but why am I wrestling with it? I, I, I like to pray, and, and now, I'm, now I'm asking myself, why? Why should I pray? I would ask you, have you ever questioned why you should pray? If he already knows everything that there is to know, then why pray? Well, the answer is actually a little more simple than I had given it credit for. And the simple answer is this. We pray not for him. We pray because of us. The answer to the why is in the how. And so Jesus is instructing us to pray. So therefore, that means we probably should pray. But he is such a loving God, and his son Jesus was a reflection of who God is. So as he was instructing us how to pray, we see the heart of God again and again and again. I want you to pray because I want you to have communion with me, and I want you to benefit from this prayer. Now, we're not Christians that go around just trying to gain all the benefits that we can in life. No, we were created to worship him. But as you worship him, even in prayer, guess what? There's blessings that come to us. So why do we pray? Well, the answer to that is in the the next verses. It's in the how. We pray because he wants us to have relationship with him. He starts off with, with our Father. Our Father. Now, now, when I talk about our Father, that's a difficult one for some because maybe you don't know what an Our Father relationship is really all about. But, but He wants you to have a prayer life that builds relationship. And it has to get to a place where you can pray Our Father and really know that He is your Daddy. I, I have, uh, um, and I have to preface, it's hard being a pastor's kid because you get referenced a lot in messages. But I will tell you that some of my favorite times is to go sit in my kids' rooms and just talk with them, have relationship with them. And, and then, you know how it is, they start telling you stories about their life and and. It's very exciting for them. It doesn't mean a lot to you, but just the fact that they're having communion with you and relationship with you is is extremely important. Jesus, or God, I should say, is the same way. He, He wants you to go to him and say, our father. He wants to have relationship with you. And he is our father where? He's our father in heaven. But he's not an absent father. He's a very present father. When you have needs, our Father in heaven is present with you here on earth. Now, we're reminded all through Scripture that this Father God that we pray to truly loves us because He chose you. It's the beauty of adoption. Some of us have a Father because we were born into, He's our biological Father. But God chose you and adopted you. It says in 
in uh, Romans 8.15, he adopted you as his own children. Now we can call him Daddy Father, Abba Father. He chose you. He adopted you. He's your father. Now prayer also, though, as we read in the next part of the Lord's Prayer, it's called the Lord's Prayer, but this is him teaching us how to pray. It said, but, but prayer aligns our praise. We pray, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, or may your name always be kept holy. When we praise him, it, 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 it lifts up his, his joy in his life. I, I, have you ever been praised? I just had a conversation recently. I struggled with praise. Have you ever been in that place where somebody would tell you good job and you're like, oh, thank you. It was just awkward. Well, some of that's because we have our own insecurities and pride issues. God has no insecurity. He has no pride. He's right in all that he says and does. But as you start to earn, uh, or not earn, but as you start to gain confidence in who you are in Christ and people praise you for doing a good job in something, it, it gets easier and easier to say thank you and mean it. Because the insecurity begins to heal in you. I'm not talking about becoming prideful, but I'm talking about knowing who you are in Christ and being thankful for that. God knows who he is. And when we praise him, it makes him feel good. He likes us to praise him. Prayer aligns our praise. How many things do we praise? Think about it. There's a scripture that says where your uh, heart is there, your treasure will be also. You think about our, our spending habits in life, and, 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 and we spend a lot on, on things. It's the American dream is to spend a lot of money and be debt. Well, that's the American dream. God has a better dream for you. What do you praise? Prayer helps align our praise. When we submit in prayer and we say, our Father in heaven, holy is your name. I want to praise you. I don't want to. And some of this is real practical because sometimes have you ever prayed for something like a material thing? Have you ever prayed for a, a new car or a, someone? And I don't expect hands to go up. But sometimes we do. We pray for those material things. But when we pray as God instructs us to, it aligns our praise. We pray to him because we want to have a relationship with him. We want to commune with him. Now it says, holy is your name. In, in the prayer guide this week, as I was reading it, it says, God loves when we worship him and there is power in his name. A, a list of some of his names are God is righteous. He makes us clean. God is the sanctifier. He has called us and set us apart. God is healer. He heals all our diseases. God is a banner of victory. He, de he defeated our enemies. God is shepherd. He speaks to us and leads us. God is peace. He is our peace in every storm. Amen. God is provider. He supplies all our needs. Prayer aligns our praise. Now, prayer also refreshes our perspective. The next part of that passage says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's, 
his priorities, not ours. It's your kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It aligns our priorities. When you pray to the Lord, again, we're not praying to move him. What is he doing? He's saying, when you pray to me, when you commune with me, when we have relationship and communication with each other, what happens in you and in me is my priorities start to line up. Would I trade his kingdom for a better job? Would I trade his kingdom for a nicer car? Would I trade his kingdom for a better house? Would I trade his kingdom for material things? And when I really consider his kingdom, it would always have to be no, no, and no. But I have to really consider his kingdom. His kingdom is, as, as we have grown up learning in Sunday school, if you've not heard this before, but we envision heaven with, with uh, roads that are paved in gold, and we all have a, keys to our own mansion as we live eternity with him, praising him and saying, holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. His kingdom, where there is no sickness, there is no harm that could come to us. It's, it's all joy. In fact, joy unspeakable, joy that we can't even understand. That is his kingdom. His kingdom is an abundance of peace, peace that will never go away. That's his kingdom. Why would we want to pray any other way than his kingdom come? And his will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Prayer. Prayer. is communication with a father that can help us to know what our perspective ought to be. His priorities include saving the lost. His priorities are wisdom and guidance for those in authority, those, those leaders that we uh, submit to, in, whether it be locally or in our nation. His priorities are to accomplish his purpose in our lives. That's his priorities. Prayer helps us align our priorities to his I said prayer refreshes our priorities. Have you ever uh, had to refresh uh, your browser on your computer? That's what prayer is for me. It's a refreshing of my browser. What have I been searching for? It helps me search for the right things. Prayer reminds us he is our provision. We go on and read in the prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. In Psalms, it says, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? No, my my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Prayer reminds us he is our provision. Provision is an interesting thing because some would say, well, then do do I, should I work if he's our provision? Well, obviously, uh, based off our announcement video earlier, we would say, yeah, work's a good thing. But we work as a form of worship. He provides us the work so we can honor him in our work. He is our provision. He provides. The Lord provides in so many ways. He can provide, yes, our our daily sustenance and our meals and our food. But he can also provide direction. This week, I, I've had a series of meetings throughout the week, and, and 
I can't go into real detail, but as we've had these meetings, I, at some point in time, I'll have to make a decision one way or another, and there's a group of stakeholders to help with that decision-making, but it's difficult, and so it's, there's been a lot of dwelling upon it as I've been thinking about it and mulling it over, and okay, but, but God, if we do this, you know, doubt creeps in. Is this the right decision? Because if I do this, and will we overextend? Will we get to a place where, where it wouldn't? where it wouldn't play out. But I do know this, that if it's in the will of the Lord, then it'll be okay. Absolutely okay. And we can confidently just have faith that it'll be fine. I like that saying. It'll be fine. But it has to be in the Lord. And so as I'm mulling this over, I, a woman in our church uh, has intercessor's heart, loves the Lord. Just I don't get text messages from her. I got a text message saying the Lord wants to do more work, something along those lines. It was right when I needed to hear it because the Lord is our provider. He can provide direction. He can provide encouragement. He doesn't, he's not the absentee father. He is our father God in heaven who is also present with us now. Now, prayer facilitates also our freedom. In the next verse, we see, or in the next part, we see, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. This is one that sometimes you might want to pray quickly because it involves something that's really hard to work on. But I would encourage you to really do the work and Focus on forgiveness. Prayer facilitates our freedom. As we spend time praying with Him and and we really seek Him for forgiveness, He'll start to free you in the area of forgiveness as well. I was sharing recently of a situation where I had ought against another organization. I had I had issue with a, another organization. And but I had a need. And that organization could help meet that need. Could provide information and instruction that I needed. So as I'm working through the crisis of of trying to gain understanding how to fix my problem and and I'm having a hard time getting to resolution, I'm thinking, well, you know, there's so-and-so in that organization. If I reached out to them, they could really help me. And then it was like all of a sudden this thing just was like, yeah, but you don't like them. I sat there thinking, wow, foolishness. Failure to forgive is going to prevent me from the blessing of information that I need. And the organization has no idea that I have issue with them. God forgave me when I ignored him as his son died on the cross. God forgave you while you were lost and he pursued you. He was forgiving you every step along the way. God wants you to encounter all the blessings that he has for you in this life, this heaven on earth. But those blessings come through us as believers and other Christians and, and, and other organizations. He blesses you a lot of times through other people. 
But you can't receive those blessings if you have unforgiveness against those people. So when we pray and forgive us our debts, Lord, forgive me. That's an easy part of the prayer. I want forgiveness because I messed up. And I feel bad about my mess up. The hard part, and I think the one that brings an abundance of fruit and joy, and what did I say, freedom, is as we also. Lord, we also need to forgive our debtors. Because as we've been taught, and if you've not heard before, unforgiveness does not chain up and bind the one that you need to forgive. Unforgiveness binds up and chains you. It's, it's the forgiveness that can set you free. Prayer. Jesus told us how to pray. Why did he tell us how to pray? Why should we pray if he already knows our needs? Well, we should pray because he wants to see us free in him. Prayer facilitates our freedom. Next, it goes on and says, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Prayer is a weapon of our warfare. Right now is a time, church, and I'm stepping away from my notes briefly because I want you to know where, we're, where I truly believe in the spirit, where we're at as a church. We're preparing for a time of harvest, but this, this time of harvest is going to come on the other side of a breakthrough. And, and it's breaking through our doubt, breaking through some unforgiveness. It, it's, it's breaking through our own understanding. So, so we also have to be prepared for the breakthrough. But what happens is, is when you get ready to break through, the enemy wants to confront you there at that moment of breakthrough and wants to push you back into the territory that you've grown accustomed to and comfortable with. And church, we need to be prayer warriors that as we pray, we're doing spiritual warfare and we're coming up against the border. There's a teaching out there and in that teaching, they talk about border bullies. Well, this border bully is the enemy that says, no, you're not going to experience breakthrough of unforgiveness. You're not going to experience breakthrough of doubt. You're not going to experience breakthrough of harvest. Why? Because you never have before, so why would you think you could now? So how do we break through that? It's through prayer. Prayer is the temptation. It says, and lead us not into temptation. Go ahead and go to the next verse. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from falling short of breakthrough. Deliver us from the evil one. Lord, deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us, Lord. We want to be free as a church. We want to move about and have being as you've created us to have as a church. We want to be all that you've created us to be. Free to run. Free to spread joy. Free to do our work as worship. Free to love one another. Free to lift those up that are hurting. Free to lift those up that have fallen. 
free to welcome back those that have returned. We want to be free as his people, his children, adopted and chosen by him. So, Lord, do not lead us into the temptation, the temptation of um, unforgiveness and the temptation of (laughs) grumpiness. I don't know why it is, but some of my greatest tests happen on the freeway. RAV4s. And I want to thank whoever gave me a little RAV4 model car. So months ago, I preached on a message, and for some reason, every time I got behind a very slow, irritating car, it was always a Toyota RAV4. And, and so I, I praise the Lord that somebody loves me enough to give me a little Toyota RAV4 that sits on my desk in my office now. And, uh, <laughs> but it shows me how imperfect I am on my own. And I, and I get on the freeway, and, you know, if you're going slow and there's someone behind you, you should move over. Um, and so, <laughs> we lived in Reading for a time, and we just, for some reason, and, and I probably say stuff all the time that offends people, but for some reason, it was always Oregon license plates. They always would get in the fast lane and just stay there, and it's like, anyhow. I don't think they liked me either, but, but Lord, lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into, that doesn't, I, I, we're going to have temptations in life. There's going to be things that come against you. But what I really pray is, Lord, when those things come into my life that are frustrating, that would cause me to respond in an unchristlike manner, Lead me in the way of Christ, not in the way of man. Lord, lead me not into temptation where, where sin and, and guilt can creep in. I saw a skit once with uh, some students I was teaching at the time, and in the skit, there was something in the closet, and, and the longer that it was in the closet, the bigger and uglier it grew until the door was rattling on the closet, but no one really wanted to talk about what was hidden away in the closet. And it just got to be so big and ugly, and, and, and they were so embarrassed about it. They were a well-kept family, but that thing in the closet, well, that thing in the closet, what it really revealed as the skit came to a close, what that thing in the closet was called a grudge. And it had grown so big that, that they were the cleavers as long as that stayed in the closet. Now, I dated ourselves on that one, but... The cleavers were that well-kept family. It looked like they had everything going well. That was a temptation that grew and got ugly. And it, it became the thing that prevented them from being free. They were bound to their home because they could not leave in case someone else would come in and find their grudge. They weren't free to live their life because of the temptation that grew in the closet to become that grudge. Lord, help us with warfare, spiritual warfare. Lord, we want to do battle against the temptations in life that would prevent us from being free in you. Protect us, Lord. Spiritual warfare can seem difficult to understand. This was in our reading this week, and it goes on and says, but the Bible makes it very clear that we have an enemy who is trying to steal from us, kill from us, and destroy us. 
But as we pray, we take our stand against the enemy. And you can stand firm against that enemy and fight from a place of victory through Jesus as we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. There is power in God's word and every lie the enemy has told us can be replaced by God's truth. Last week, we encourage you, get into the word. Know his truth for you and for us and pray that truth and stand firm against the evil one because he has no power and authority over God and his children. And we are his children. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We can win in this battle, in this spiritual battle. He goes on in his, and I'll continue with this passage. It says, it reminds us that he is all-powerful and has complete authority over all. Prayer can affirm our faith. Because he says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And, and this is the New King James Version because it's not in every version, but, but this is how I memorized it. And it was a declaration of his power and his authority. For yours, God, is the kingdom and yours is the power and yours is the glory forever. And I will stand firm. Against the enemy, knowing that it's you, Lord. It's all yours. And then we finish our prayer saying, so be it. I seal it. It is done as we have prayed together and communed with one another. Amen. Amen is that. It's so be it. We as a, I'm going to ask the worship team to come. We as believers, we have the opportunity to rattle We as God's people have been given the power and authority to come against the enemy and tear down the walls that are protecting territory that the enemy has built. Think about Joshua. And Jericho. Joshua did not take a hammer and start beating on the walls until they fell. What did Joshua do? They marched around that city of Jericho and prayed and worshipped until the walls came down. We have the ability to go after the walls of the territory of this city that the enemy has erected to keep freedom out. But we have to be willing to march around the territory, proclaiming who Christ is. And if you lack the confidence and the wherewithal to do it, then Jesus would say, let me instruct you on how to pray. Because as you pray with me and commune with me and get to know who I am, you will find the, the courage to do what you need to do as you march around that territory the most significant prayer that could ever be prayed by an individual. Many of us have prayed. And many more need to pray. And that is that prayer of salvation. 
the prayer that sets us free. We sang a song today at, what song are we doing? Huh? Okay. Well, it doesn't matter what song we do. That's great. That's a perfect song. It does matter what song we did, and that was wonderful. Um, we sang that song today about chasing, leaving behind the 99 and coming after the one. And I had this movie kind of flash before my eyes, and, and Jesus kind of built like the rock, but with long hair. And he's, he's, he's knocking down doors, tearing down walls, doing whatever he has to do, climbing up mountains, feverishly chasing down the one that's lost. Because that's his heart for the lost. That was his heart and is his heart for you that are saved. But he wants you to have that same heart for those that are still lost. When you pray, will you pray for the lost? When you pray, will you praise him so that the walls will come down for the lost? Would you stand with me? We're going to go into this. We're going to close the service with this time of worship, but there's not a more important prayer than a prayer of salvation. We're believing that those that have not come to know the Lord as their Savior will be saved. And we want to be a part of facilitating and helping that out. Thank you for your presence, Lord, in this place. I thank you, Lord, for saving us and setting us free. I thank you, Lord, that you're in the process of continuing to strengthen us and encourage us and mature us into freedom. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for that. But I don't want to move on unless there, if there's still someone here that needs to know the Lord for the first time, pray the most important prayer that mankind could ever pray. In fact, I'm going to have you all pray along with me. Here's a prayer that I... Would you all bow your heads and close your eyes? And I'm going to have each and every one of you pray this with me, if you would. Pray it as if it's your first time. And pray it knowing... I mean, don't pray anything that you don't mean. He was. Don't be an actor. Don't be a hypocrite. Pray with me. It says, Dear Father in heaven, today I give my life to you. Please forgive me for all the things I've done. All the things I've done wrong and wash me clean. I believe that Jesus is your son. And that he paid for my sins with his blood on that cross. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart and save me. Thank you for hearing my prayer and for, and for forgiving me. I know that I am now a Christian. 
when I die, I get to go to heaven and live forever with Jesus. For now, I have you living with me every day. You are my best friend. Thank you, Lord, for saving me, for saving me, for saving me. Amen.